Welcome in everyone to episode 128 of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damien here with Matt and David. And this week we're going to do the month of May breakdown uh, slash division recap. Uh, and just let you know how everybody's done through the month of May. But before we get to all that, Matt, we missed you last week. How was Hawaii? It was awesome. I had a really good time. Uh, not the most relaxing vacation because I was busy doing stuff the whole time I was out there. It's hard to fit that entire place into one, uh, one week, but it was, it was a really good time and, uh, very, uh, very happy to be able to do it, spend time with the family and everything. And, uh, glad to be back, uh, talking some baseball this week. How's that? How's everything with you, David? It was good. You know, we had a holiday week here as well. You know, it's a, a strong weekend when you get that extra day off and went hiking and, uh, watched some racing and it, it overall just a, a nice week. And, you know, it's good to be back. Good to be back on the, the Batflip podcast grind. Uh, how was your week, Damien? Uh, it was all right. You know, like you mentioned, it was um, a long weekend there. Um, spent some time with my cousin who's back in town from once being deployed overseas. So it was good to spend some time with him on a, a day that's, you know, usually a pretty rough day for people that have served. Um, so I was able to barbecue, you know, play some pool, watch some some good racing there and overall just a enjoyable weekend and, and time spending with some family. So uh but I'm ready to to really jump into this episode because I think we got a, a really good one here breaking down the uh, month of May. Uh so why don't we go ahead and start right here in the A uh, AL East and we'll go ahead and start with Tampa Bay Rays to lead the division at 39 and 17. Um Baltimore four games back at 34 and 20. Uh, we got the Yankees at 33 and 23, six games back. Uh, Boston is 28, 25 with a nine and a half games back. And then Toronto is 28 and 26, 10 games back. So David, uh, what about the AL East so far of the month of May? Yeah. What a, what a crazy division all oh, well over 500, every single team. And I, I think this is kind of a possibility because of the schedule change this season where we're seeing teams play less games interdivision and more games outside divisions. So we're getting these kind of super divisions like the AL East, and then we're getting some divisions that are kind of crummy from top to bottom, like the central divisions on both sides. So um, I think it's a real possibility that you see, you know, multiple wildcard teams coming out of similar divisions. And this is definitely one of the biggest culprits. There's not going to be a lot of ways to make ground up. I think with fewer games within the division where you can like win a game again, if the the Red Sox won a game against the Rays, that's two division swing, but there's fewer games in the division to, to make those game, those big swings. Um, So as it stands, right, this may is kind of showing that this division is a really, really strong one that can, you know, potentially house world series contenders and uh, worth noting that, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and New York all went 18 and 12 this month. So they're, you know, they're all on the same pace right now, it seems. And everybody's performing really well over here, except for maybe the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I, um, I'm i with you. This is the best division in baseball so far this year. Um, I think it'll probably continue to be that uh, throughout the season. Um You know, you look at uh, some of these performances, um, everyone talked about in April how easy the Rays' schedule was and that they were not going to be able to back it up. Well, they came into May with this extremely tough schedule and have gone 18 and 12. So I think they've really kind of solidified the fact that they're really that that type of team, or in their last 30 games, they've been 18 and 12. Um, 
and uh, you know they they've also in, in in the month they have led the majors in WAR for position players, um, along with WRC plus. So they've hit the ball well. They've continued to defend well. They've ran the bases extremely well too. They've they've led in, in base running the base running metrics too. So uh, the pitching has taken a hit. Part of that's the schedule. Part of it's the uh, fact that uh, they were playing. Uh, you know they've had so many injuries, but they've still been you know. Uh, really good as a whole as an entire team this month um you know it's good to see the orioles continue to do what they've done uh to start the season um you know they're only four and a half games back in a a division that or four games back in a division that we really you know that a team being out there 39 and 17 we would not have expected the orioles even though we thought there's a chance they were pretty good this year to be that close but they've been really good the yankees have righted the ship even with all the injuries they have um you know, they had a good month, and I mean, Boston's been all right. The Blue Jays, you know, we maybe we can talk about them a little bit more, but they've really struggled, and honestly, the metrics and stuff don't absolutely hate the Blue Jays this month. Like, they've still been a top 10 offensive team in the month. Uh, Pitching-wise, they haven't been good uh, with the metrics, but, the, but their ERA has been pretty good. They haven't given up a ton of earned runs. So I think that, uh, you know, it kind of – some of it might be a little bit of sequencing, but there have been kind of red flags to the Blue Jays for the entire season. And the record's still fine. They're above 500. Uh, but they're falling behind in this division right now to teams that – it's going to be tough to pass the top three mm-hmm. teams in this division. And then even the fourth team, like right now it's the Red Sox are there. Like with what's going on in the AL West with the Rangers doing so well to start the season, like it's going to be tough to get that – that third, that fourth team out of the uh, AL East, like some people beginning the season might have thought could happen. So uh, this division so far, um, you know, it's going to be a dogfight. I think that the Rays definitely are the front runner. I don't think the Orioles keep this up all year, but they're good. And if they added the deadline, some pitching, they could maybe get better. Uh, the Yankees need to get healthy. We'll see if that happens. Uh, but uh, it's been a very interesting so far this year. And uh, this, this has been one to, to watch for sure. What's really wild about Toronto's struggles is that they have one of the best pitchers in baseball right now in Kevin Gosman, and they're getting some of the best, one of the better May performances of anybody in Bo Bichette, who's kind of come on really strong of late. Uh, it's just getting outdone right now by guys like Aaron Judge, who have had a crazy May and are up to third in uh, wins above replacement, and he's up to 17 home runs again, and is just doing Aaron Judge things. You know, walking a ton, striking out a ton, hitting a bunch of homers. It, you know, we also see that the the Rays are getting Tyler Glass now back here, which is going to support them. But uh, you know, they they did lose Drew Rasmussen and Jeffy Springs, right? That's a team that's kind of coming back to earth a little bit. I'll say the team that's most impressive right here is definitely the Baltimore Orioles, who will note as well have just signed Aaron Hicks because Cedric Mullins is going on the IL, and that. It's definitely a step down, uh, but maybe Aaron Hicks can kind of turn it back around. We've seen him be a good player in the past, but it, he was dreadful for New York the past couple of seasons and is often injury riddled. So, you know, similarly to how we I think we briefly mentioned Gary Sanchez with the Mets last week. Sanchez has already been DFA'd. I, I'm envisioning a similar short 10 day ish stint for Aaron Hicks and then he'll be gone again. But um, you know, maybe he can, he can find a way to step up, but I mean, the Orioles have been getting such a good performance from Cedric Mullins, Adley Rutschman, right? I mean, this is a team that 
has just gone from being kind of an, an afterthought, a team that wasn't really getting picked, to being very, very complete with a lot of really good role players, a lot of really strong lineup depth where everybody at least contributes a little bit uh, for, to some extent, right? And you've got really good fielding as well with Mateo and Frazier's in there, you know, providing a, a good versatile glove. Henderson's still been a good a good fielder, even if he hasn't gotten going at the plate yet. And, uh, you know, Mullins leading the way in center field, Rutschman behind the plate. And I, I, just this team is very, very solid if it's not spectacular. And that's what's making them, I think, win a lot of these games. They've also gotten some underrated starting pitching performances as well. Yeah. One more thing to note on Baltimore, you mentioned them, is that they're winning a lot of close games. And they, you know, they've kind of, that, that a lot of times that's kind of a luck thing, but, you know, they have two of the best relievers in baseball yep. in Cano and Bautista. So, you know, that, that helps them win a lot of these close games where you know those two guys are going to be pitching. So, um, I think that that's a big deal for them because because uh, you look at them metrically. I mean, uh, you know, they're 23rd for WAR and position players over the last month, and they're 17th in WAR for pitchers. But it's kind of been one of those things where they're they're winning a lot of those close games because the two back end of the bullpen guys are so mm-hmm. good, and uh, they've overperformed the peripherals and the pitching staff too, which is something that we saw a little bit from them down the stretch last year. So we'll see if they're able to continue doing that. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, definitely been fun to watch them this year, and uh, I'm I'm encouraged by them too. I've been the down, the lower guy on them, and than than y'all have, and I think uh, they're proving me a little bit wrong right now. Yeah, and they pretty much have a built-in kind of trade deadline acquisition at whenever John Means gets back, and he yeah, should yep. be back relatively soon. Um, and that's a guy we've seen be very, very good for them in the past. So that's already another addition to that starting rotation, and. Um, you know, obviously, if they've sent Grayson Rodriguez down, so if he's able to figure it out out down there and come back up later in the season, um, you know, maybe help them out there as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and move over to the American League Central now, where we have the uh, Minnesota Twins leading this division at twenty eight and twenty six. Uh, Detroit is actually second in twenty five and twenty seven, two games back. Uh, Cleveland is third at twenty four and twenty nine, three and a half games back. Chicago White Sox are 22 and 34, seven games back. And then the Kansas City Royals bring up the seller to the division at 17 and 38, 11 and a half games back. Uh, so, Matt, what are your uh, your thoughts so far on the American League Central this month? Well, we just talked about the AL East being so good. This division sucks. I mean, it's just bad. <laughs> like, there is not a there is not a single good team in this division. And I, I feel pretty confident saying that. I know the Twins have an above 500 record, but they're really not that good of a team. The lineup doesn't have as much depth as we hoped for. You know, your star player is injured. Um, you know, you've got the pitching staff has had some good moments this year so far, but they haven't been, like, incredible. Um, you know, they have lost some close games at times where – you feel like they might be better than their, you know, than their, uh, their, they might be a little better than their record in, in those games. But like, this team's really not been good. Uh, the rest of the division, it's been fun to see the Tigers do as well as they have so far. Their offense is really, really bad, but they've gotten enough pitching performance out of, you know, some guys like, like, they've, they've really got a perfect performance from some guys that we didn't expect. Guys like Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, who has just been incredible for them. He's going to be really interesting at the deadline to see if they're able to move him. 
because of his opt-out. Like, the best-case scenario for another team is you get a half a season of him, and he's a rental, but they're taking on a lot more risk than typical of a rental because of the possibility that you end up having to pay him a lot the rest of the season. But as of right now, they're so close that I don't think they, they would even think about trading him because they're only two games out of first place. Um, they've had the 14th best record this month in the big leagues. They've been pretty good. Guardians can't hit their offense. They've had a negative war on the month on the or since, since May 1st. Um, they have a 67 WRC plus since May 1st. They just cannot hit a lot of those guys last year. All those contact bats that had high Babbitts last year just haven't had found those spaces this year. They're never going to hit for much power. I think they'll get it going better than they have so far. The pitching injuries haven't helped. Um, the White Sox, I mean, it seems crazy, but their last 30 games, they're 15-15 and 15 after that dreadful start. Like, is there a scenario where they still might end up, like, competing in this division? It, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Um, just because, you know, Liam Hendricks came back this week, which is awesome to see after he dealt with – you know, cancer, which is difficult for anybody to deal with. And especially for a finely tuned athlete who only missed like a less than a full year off of it, which is crazy. So uh, very, very happy to see him back. And then the Royals are just really, really bad. Their pitching staff is awful. Their offense is awful. They're just not a good team at all. So this division, like Minnesota is probably going to win it by default, but this is, this is just not, this is, uh, this division is almost unwatchable. What's what's really crazy about it is that I have not I did not expect the Guardians to be this bad, um, but they they're off. It makes sense, right? That the way they built that team, you know, with Miles Straw, Stephen Kwan, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Andre Jimenez, those guys are all very much reliant on you know the single, right? A, a lot of singles, a lot of putting the ball in play. Uh, what happens when you start seeing those guys get out of their approach in desperation is I think it snowballs a little bit, right? I mean, Jimenez has been really bad. Rosario has been really bad. Uh, th- those two specifically have just, every part of their game has really snowballed in this struggling stretch. Um, but, you know, with this division being so bad, you can't really count anybody out of it except for the Royals at this point. Like, yeah, we expect Minnesota to get going. Carlos Correa has been pretty dreadful so far, but you know, Byron Buxton hasn't been hurt. You know, it, Royce Royce Lewis just got back. He'll he'll be helping them for sure. Um, you know, the the Tigers lineup is a little questionable, but Riley Green's kind of coming into his own as a center fielder and has played really well. Um, and that's got to be encouraging for for Tigers fans. And also, they I mean they they picked up Zach McKinstry, who's gone and been downright excellent as a utility player for him this year. So, you know, they, they do lose Ed, Eduardo Rodriguez this week to the IL. Um, and I think that may start to drop them a little bit, but you, you think maybe Tariq Skubal gets back sometime this year. And I, I don't know. The, the Tigers are a mystery because I think they will sustain about 500 play, but I don't think that's going to be good enough to win this division. It's the teams that can go on a run, like the Guardians or the White Sox, right? Eventually the talent takes over in theory, right? But, you know, 22 and 34 are the White Sox right now. They're seven games out. I mean, they do improve to 500 this this month, which is a lot better, but you can't you can't make ground on the division at going 500, right? I mean, they've only gained one game on the Twins. So, uh it's just yeah, we're going to need to see a big change, a big shift to to have any, you know, true change in this division going forward and 
you know, it's got to come from the Guardians of the White Sox, I think. I think the Tigers are a 500 team at best. They're playing like it right now. They're, they've got some some high percentile outcomes. The Twins have really low percentile outcomes. I feel like the Twins have a better team than this. So we'll see. You know, we've, we've got the trade deadline to think about as well. These teams are not going to be the same here, right? I mean, we, we kind of have the beauty of May is we have an established big sample on what these teams are. But the trade deadline and further, you know, injuries, call-ups, et cetera, are going to give these teams additional ways to change and improve. So we're kind of setting the stage for those future changes. For now, these are kind of what these teams are, and the Twins are the best, but they're the best of a bad group in this AL Central. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I agree. The Tigers, to me, feel like the Tigers were supposed to be last year. Right, that's a a good... Like, they... They just, they're not, their talent level is just not there to be like the top of the line. The thing that's still problems, problematic for them is that like, you know, Torkelson's still not producing, even though he's been a little bit better than he was last year. And Riley Green, while he has been better this year and he's got pretty good numbers right now, he's running like a super high Babbitt, like over 400, which is mm-hmm. not going to stay there. And I think he's, I think, I don't think he's a total bust. He's young. I think he's going to be all right. But like looking at him as being like that immediate guy to come up and take the majors by storm, like we've seen some guys do in the past few years, he's going to take a, at least a little bit more time to adjust to be a, a quality big leaguer. So, uh, or at least that the, the elite type of big leaguer he could mm-hmm. be. Like he's he's already I think he's a quality big leaguer. But like it, it's it's kind of those kinds of things, and uh, we'll see if they stay. And and you know I but I agree there's not a lot else to talk about here. Yeah, I mean, you guys were mentioning it. Um, also, Riley Green left today's game with an injury as well. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> so uh, we aren't sh- they aren't sure what it is uh, no. yet, but it was it was after he had tracked down a ball in center field. It wasn't even like running the bases, so don't know what that could yeah. possibly be. But um, you had mentioned, I mean, he was almost batting three hundred with like an eight hundred OPS. So. Yeah. Uh, big That's loss right. there, um, and then Eduardo Rodriguez obviously today. But you, I mean, Matt, you made the great point. This feels like what the Tigers should have been last year, um, yeah. and and they, now they're going to get two key injuries there. So uh, I was watching the game this, uh, I think it was yesterday against the Rangers, uh, and they were saying that fifty six percent of their payrolls between Javier Baez, Miguel Cabrera, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. So. And- that is, and twenty six percent of that is Miguel Cabrera's contract. So yeah, that'll be off the books, won't it? After this year, yeah. I, so could Erods. I would put the Tigers. So could as, Baez. Actually, they all could. Well, Baez, Baez will not be. Yeah, <laughs> well, then, unless horrible. they trade him, that would be. Uh, well, then the money will still. The money will still be on the books. I mean, and he could still. Him. He still plays well at, at shortstop. So they'll have to eat maybe a little bit of it, but. Uh, anyways, so let's go ahead and jump over to the American League West, where we have the Texas Rangers at 34 and 19, leading the division. We have Houston at 31 and 22, three games back. Uh, we have the Angels at 29 and 26, six games back. Seattle is 28 and 26, six and a half games back. And then Oakland is being Oakland at 11 and 45, 24 and a half games back of the, of the division. Uh, I'm not even going to go look towards like what they are back from the wild card. Cause that would be uh, even hilarious. But um, I think it was, we're going to David. David, what do you think of the American league West outside of the Oakland athletics being terrible? Yeah. Aside from, aside from my, I, general 
most interest in the NL Central. The, the division I've been watching the most thus far is the AL West because I think you've got maybe the three most interesting teams that have been hunting the same like carrot for the the longest time where they're they've been going after the Astros right the the Rangers the the Angels and the Mariners have all tried to take down the Astros they haven't done it in a few years but it feels like the it's very even, right? These teams all feel real similar. Uh, the Rangers have just, I mean, we talked about it last week, right? I mean, that's the spectacular performance from Jonah Heim and, and Adolis Garcia has really you know, propelled them forward, right? Nathan Eovaldi's just been spectacular. That's, that's huge, right? Superstars kind of emerging. Marcus Simeon's been really good too. I think that's getting underappreciated right now, but it doesn't, really matter because Houston is keeping right pace with them, right? I mean, you look at their records this month, Rangers go 20 and 10 best in baseball. Houston goes 19 and 11. They gained one game on them this month. So <laughs> what's that, that's really just to, goes to show that Houston, which seems to be down right now with, you know, they just got Altuve back the offense, you know, it's very top heavy, but it doesn't matter because Jordan Alvarez is driving in everybody and Michael Alex Bregman, another Homer today. And it's just crazy uh, how good Houston has been and how, how much depth they're able to generate out of thin air. It seems like, um, you know, it, it, aside from that, you've got the angels who are finally putting a decent team around trout and Otani and they're above 500. They're, they're in a really good spot. They've endured some injuries. They've endured some poor performance uh, from some guys. They needed to be better. I expect that, you know, Otani's actually going to be a little better going forward. I think he's actually been a little, he's not been as good as he has been in the past couple of years on both sides of the ball. Wonder if it's, you know, the, the endurance factors getting to him a little bit. Maybe he's just, he's just Otani. He's still been really good. It's just not quite that same superstar level on one of the two ends of the, you know, that he plays either offense or defense, Um, you know, and then, Offense or pitching, that is. And then, uh, you know, the Mariners have a very interesting little team that has underperformed almost across the board. Jose, I think Julio Rodriguez is finally starting to get going. I think we'll see uh, we'll see the Mariners making a big a big swing at things at the trade deadline because that's a team that has the pitching to do it but has not had the offense thus far. But Julio Rodriguez finally above 100 WRC plus, finally like at 1.6 wins above replacements, playing great center field. I think he'll he'll get you know, this offense to where it needs to be uh, going forward. But I, th- maybe the thing I'm worried the most about this division is that Mariners offense, can they get to a place where they can catch the Rangers and catch the Astros? And then can the Astros pitching keep them in ball games? Uh, because their offense certainly can score enough runs to do so. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I, I agree with a lot of that. I mean, the Rangers have dealt with some injuries and are still, performing at a very high level uh you know they've lost their best position player and their best pitcher for significant portions of the season so far and both of those guys being like mvp candidate type players and they haven't really missed the beat 20 and 10 this month they've been really 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 good nathan Evaldi's pitching excellent for them um you know he's kind of stepped up where they were hoping that degrom would be they've had a great offense they were fourth best in the in the you know in the month of may offensively um you know Seager's back now like there's Marcus Simeon's performing from the beginning of the year this year um and they've just been very 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 good 
Um, you look at the Astros, and they got healthier. Their schedule got a little bit uh, more relaxed. Um, you know, they are definitely playing pretty well right now. Uh, 19 and 11 this month. Um, just kind of be doing Astros things, I guess. I mean, they haven't really – I still don't think that team is quite as good as they were last year, but they're still obviously a very good team. Um, I do worry a little bit about their pitching rotation the rest of the season just because of the injuries they've got. And, I mean, I, I don't fully trust the rookies to keep it up all year that they have. Um, the Angels have been pretty good. Um, they've actually been the 12th best team with, with position players by war and the 12th best pitching staff by war with position players. So they've been, you know, above, a little above average in both. Uh, on both ends sides of the ball, they've been pretty solid. Uh, that bullpen has been a little bit better than I think we might have expected it to. Uh, you know, the offense around Trout and Otani has been okay. Trout has been good, and, you know, Otani's been good. Otani has, has had some some things that have worried me a little bit at times on the pitching side uh, with his walks being a little bit higher this year, not throwing as many strikes, but I think he'll be fine. The stuff is incredible as always at the plate. He's been fine. He's just running a little bit lower Babbitt than he did last year. Um, he's going to be totally fine. He's very good. I'm not worried about him. Trout, um, you know, he's been, he's been good. He hasn't been the trout we used to see so far. Um, you know, 144 WRC plus, it's a good number, but, you know, his career low in WRC plus is 167 for a season. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's still been really good, don't get me wrong, but he's not the same guy we've used to see, although he's still an elite hitter. He's striking out a ton, which is, for you know, compared to what he was doing in the past. These last three years, it's kind of become like, that's just going to be a trend, it looks like. I mean, 28% 2021. 28% last year, 27% this year, whereas he had been running the low 20s, the upper teens in strikeout rate. So um, that's, you know, he's hit for a lot of power. He's still walking a lot. He's been fantastic either way, but maybe not the same guy we've, you know, gotten accustomed to seeing at his elite peak level. Um, but, uh, you know, the Angels hanging in there. Um, the Mariners, like, the hitting has gotten better. They've been the ninth best team for position players this month. Uh, they have played good defense has led into that war total, but uh, on the pitching side, they've been incredible. They have a 325 FIP in the month of May. Um, you know, they lead, they led the league mm -hmm. in war in the month of May on the mound. Uh, Bryce Miller has come up and been like really, really good. I don't know if he'll keep it up. He really only throws he, one pitch. So he got, he got bopped around by the Yankees. Yeah. On, I mean, on he Friday. Yeah. I mean, it, I would not be surprised if he, ends up needing some time to really adjust, but um, we'll see what happens with him. I think he's a pretty solid. Um, I think he could be a solid piece and he does have a pop prospect pedigree too, but uh, you know, um, you look at the A's as being horrible. And I mean, mm -hmm. just to take a moment of how remarkable that 11 and 45 record is. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that is just, that's remarkably bad. I don't think anybody expected him to be quite this bad this year. I mean, I, I think we all expected him to lose like a hundred games, but like, this is like worst team ever bad. So yeah, um, it sucks for them. They did beat my Braves last night, which was embarrassing, but I mean, losing to them is embarrassing. It, it really is. Even one <laughs> game in, in a game of, in baseball in one game, you're typically never embarrassed when you lose. You're, you embarrassed if you lose yeah. to the A's. 
So, uh, but we'll see. They're going to win more than ten games in the season. They're going to beat somebody good a few times, but it's um, it's pretty bad. I have a I have a Mike Trout stat based on what you said. So you mentioned that his lowest career WRC plus was in 2014, right? I believe he won unanimous MVP that season in the season in which he had his lowest career WRC plus. And then I also want to note that this season, his ex Woba is one point below his ex Woba from last season in which he had a seven or one seventy six WRC plus. So ultimately I think he's actually underperforming just a smidge right now. Uh, Not worried about trout, but, you know, I will. I would like to note that Ben Joyce just came up for the Angels yesterday. Looked really good. He uh, was the guy who was throwing 105 miles an hour at Tennessee. Uh, so Angels are improving the back end of their bullpen, which already features Carlos Estevez at closer, who's been one of the best closers in the league thus far, and has been easily the best free agent signing at. Uh, relief pitcher that that got any sort of big contract this this year. So uh, Angels actually, you know, making good signings around uh, a team of superstars. You know, it's it's obviously leading to a better record. Yeah, and then uh, just to throw it on the Oakland A's, just a little bit more before we move on. They also designated their highest paid player. Oh, that's the right. Day and Jesus Aguilar. Um, I so did forget about that. To lower their payroll to. Two million or something like that? I don't know. That's a joke, but <laughs> it might as well be. I guess he was uh, – Ryan Noda's the guy that's been played first base, right? Yep. Yeah. N- Noda's, and Noda's actually been really good. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, he's been performing pretty – The Oakland A's offense has performed not good, but, like, they haven't been the worst offense in baseball. I mean, Yeah, they're – their two biggest free agent signings of Jesus Aguilar and Trevor May have not worked out for yeah. either one of those yet. I don't think Jace Peterson's been good either. I think he's been bad for the yeah. for the A's. I'm gonna have to check that, but I don't think anybody on the A's has really been good. So Brent, uh, Brent Rooker and and Noda, well, I think actually has been listen, good. I think Noda's got like listen. a 400 OBP. Don't we don't need to? It's look. This credit. is all very important for for fans of teams that are maybe going. Hmm, who could my my team trade for? Ryan Noda has a 400 OBP and a 150 WRC plus. I mean, he could be on the move. Speaking of fans, did you see the tweet the Houston Astros put out the other day against the A's? Oh yeah, I did. Where they I, said I, they said ten runs in front of tens of fans. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like I don't I don't really like that that much. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Like, I mean, it was funny. It was funny. It was hilarious. All right, let's jump over to the uh, National League East now, where we have the Atlanta Braves at thirty-two and twenty-two. Uh, the Miami Marlins at 28 and 26, four games back. The New York Mets are 27 and 27, five games back. Uh, Philadelphia is 25 and 28, six and a half games back. And then Washington is 23 and 31, nine games back. So Matt, to your division, what do you think of the AL East so far? Well, it's the NL East, but uh, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad the Braves are not in the AL East because they'd probably be in last place if they were. But, um, third fourth place jesus fourth. yeah so but yeah i mean this division's been um it's been interesting so far because the teams that were expected to compete in this division aside from the braves have really been bad i mean the mets have been really not good um the they've just they've lost a lot of games to bad teams they played a really weak schedule so far and have lost a lot of games to bad teams a lot of their free agent contracts haven't worked out they rest. They 
maybe kind of rescued their season because their rookies came up and had a couple of really good games that stabilized them a little bit. Um, in uh, you know Francisco Alvarez and and Mark Vientos had had like back to back games where they just had a really 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 good game, um, and uh, you know that was good for them, but. They've been uh they've been interesting. The Phillies, uh, the Phillies and the Mets just offensively have not been um or def- or pitching wise have not been good. The, the Phillies have two really good pitchers at the top of their rotation, but the depth just isn't there. The lineup's been pretty top heavy. They've Trey Turner's been horrible for them, which hasn't helped. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with them. They're actually playing each other these first few games. So that could be a pretty big swing in d- as to who becomes the Braves' biggest challenger in this division. Uh, but right now it's the Marlins in second place. They just have a, like, freaking crazy record in one-run games. Like, I think they're, like, 15-1 and one or something in one-run games. So that's not going to keep up. The Marlins are still pretty bad offensively. Although Jorge Soler is yep. just absolutely destroying baseballs right now. He'll be on it's somebody's fun. player of the week. Yeah. And uh, it might be mine. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, their pitching staff has been good as expected, uh, but uh, they've been second place. And then last place, the Nationals, we kind of knew. But uh, the Braves leading the division. Uh, one thing that has been, they've had some things that have been concerning. The bullpen's been really, really bad. Um, you know, Mentor has struggled. All those peripherals look okay. He's got like an eight ERA. Iglesias came off the IL. He's been okay so far. He hasn't looked great. He had one blow-up outing, but he's not been terrible. But the depth in this bullpen is just not what is expected to be. Joe Jimenez, velocity is way down. He hasn't looked good. Kirby Yates is definitely just not the same guy as he was when he was uh, when he was you know with the Padres before the injuries. Um, you know the a lot of the depth pieces haven't worked out great. They DFA'd Lucas Lutke today. Uh, Dylan Lee's been injured. They actually called up AJ Smith Shaver, their top prospect, who has a career total of four starts above A ball um, to the big leagues today. He's been really good in the minors. He actually broke under the top 100 list for Fangraphs last week. But he um, he's got to pitch out of the bullpen a little bit. They definitely seem to be really needing some help there. But the guy who's really kind of kept the Braves, you know, in good shape has been Marcelo Zuna this month, which is kind of insane. He's had a in, in April and May, his WRC plus was a very cool 10, like literally <laughs> 10 WRC plus 10. Mm-hmm. That's not a typo that they, you should have said a hundred, literally 10 this month, 179. So yeah. it's, he's been really good for him uh, this month. So that's been good to see for, for Braves fans. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they're they kind of sticking around at the top right now. They haven't gotten a ton of competition. The one thing that, you know, with them, they did just play their – a little bit like the Rays did. They just played their toughest 30-game schedule probably they play all year. Uh, they went 16-14, and 14, which isn't great, but playing a really tough schedule. They've been through the Dodgers. They've been through the Astros. They've been through the Blue Jays who were expected to be good. They've been through the Orioles. Um, they've been through the Red Sox. Like they've played a lot of tough, the Rangers, they played a lot of the tougher Oakland teams. One, <laughs> tough one teams. game, but, <laughs> just... uh, the Mariners, they played this month. Like they played a lot of tough teams this month. And, um, you know, maybe that, you know, that this coming up month after they play a series against the Diamondbacks and then the Mets. But after that, their schedule is really, really soft for the month of June. So they might be able to kind of get things going a little bit again. 
But uh, the Braves are still uh, the class of this division, and I don't really see anybody passing them unless the Mets just yeah. kind of figure it out. But they just haven't showed signs of that so far. Three of the top five players in home runs play in this division. Pete Alonso, Matt Olson, and Jorge Soler, 2017 and 17, uh, which is pretty fun. If you if you like the long ball, Pete Alonso is already at 20 home runs. It is not yet. We're, we're we're doing our May recap. May is not yet over. We have one more day, um, but 20 home runs by the end of May. That is a there's a torrid pace. If Pete can keep it going, you know, he'll be looking at 50 plus. Um, you know, this the way this division shakes out is almost exactly the way Matt, Matt said. I will say I I kind of like the way the Marlins are playing games at this point. And that that's a team with, with Arias and Soler that has some offensive pieces, but doesn't have the thump and they don't have anybody else who can really do anything other than Soler at this point, which I, I, I distinctly remember in our, you know, seasonal preview saying if the Marlins can get, you know, big production from a guy like Soler, they, you know, that, that can be the ink, the catalyst to them having a winning season here he is, You're right? 17 home runs. This is the kind of Solaire we saw with the Royals in 2019 where he hit 40-something home runs. Um, you know, and obviously with the, the way he is, he's going to be streaky. But they have – they are yet to see the best version of Sandy Alcantara this season. Uh, we probably should have put him on our – you know, he's struggling stuff from last week, right? I mean, Alcantara has been kind of shockingly not as good as he typically is. Uh, Luzardo has been very, very good, kind of exactly the way we were kind of expecting him to be. Um, but you know, the, the Marlins are a very interesting team because they do have the pieces to go out and improve at the deadline. And, and we didn't mention it. I, I wanted to maybe, but I got caught up in talking about other things. The Orioles are another team that can really, really improve at the deadline based on how strong their farm system is and, and depending on how much they want to get, give away to get better. Um, the Marlins are a team with a very good farm system with a lot of really good pitching uh, that has come up and pitched well on top of that. Right. And that bullpen is very nasty. A lot of very difficult, you know, matchups. And that's the reason they're winning these one run games. It's not just flukiness. That being said, there will be some, some luck going away from this Marlins team. That's where I think they need to counter with, you know, making a big move at the deadline for an offensive player to try and balance out this lineup. Yeah, and you mentioned the deadline for the Marlins. The one thing that does concern me with the Marlins at the deadline is that while they have those good swing pitchers that have been like, they were good prospects, they've pitched in the big league some, they've been in triple, like their prospect depth isn't there. Like they don't really have much that's not a like triple A or above, or double A or above pitcher, which it might make it a little bit difficult for them because they're probably going to have to move a depth rotation depth piece that's on the big league roster right now, like an Edward Cabrera or a, or a Braxton Garrett or somebody who is really performing for them and they need. So like, it's kind of one of those things where they have a lot of young pitching, but it's all kind of necessary for their team this year to be successful. And when you look at their minor league system, they, they have some good pieces there too, but like, you know, they're, they just haven't they they just don't have the depth like in low minors guys to go out and snag somebody for a re, from a rebuilding team unless it's the A's who might make a stupid trade which is entirely plausible <laughs> but um 
Like it, it just doesn't make a ton. Like they, they, I don't know. It's gonna, it's gonna be tough, a tough matchup, because a team that's looking for a guy who can compete, contend, compete this year is probably not rebuilding to the level of like trading away a big league piece at the deadline. Mm-hmm. So if they want to trade for a White Sox pitcher because the White Sox are ten games out, then they're gonna have trouble doing that. Of course, the White Sox are stupid too. So, I mean, they might, <laughs> but. Well, we've already seen Miami and uh, Oakland make yeah. so stupid fair amount of trades. Yeah. But um, so let's go ahead and jump over to the National League Central, uh, where we have the Milwaukee Brewers leading the division at 28 and 25. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 26 and 27, two games back. The Cincinnati Reds are third at 24 and 29, four games back. Chicago Cubs are 23 and 35 games back. And then the Cardinals are 24 and 32, five and a half games back. So David, this one is your division and I'm going to get this right. It is the NL central this time. (laughs) So, Um, so far, what do you think? Oh my God. What a disaster. (laughs) It's, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion, watching the NL central play. Um, Is it bad that the Cincinnati Reds have the best division in the record over the last? Oh yeah, it it is horrible, and and they got it. They swept the Cubs this week, and and got there. Um, this is a disaster of a division, man. The, and and the the problem is not the teams in it because we've seen good flashes from just about every single one of these teams, right? At good months, but they are just playing bad baseball right now. I mean, across the board, uh, Brewers are not playing well. Just in general, that, that team is is not getting the performances that I think they expected from guys like Corbin Burns, who's been struggling. Uh, Rowdy Tellez has not been the same guy that they were kind of hoping for. They had pa- called up a bunch of prospects, Bryce Tarang, Joey Weimer. None of those guys have been doing it for them, right? Christian Yelich is, you know, he's a, he's a league average-ish player, maybe a little above right now. He's not really the superstar they need. Willie Adamas hasn't been as good as he was last year. Um, you know, William Contreras has been good, but you know, he, he's not quite as impactful and they haven't gotten any pitching aside from Woodruff right now. And maybe a little Freddie Peralta. I mean, this is just a, a team that is playing uninspired baseball, but I think it's cause they know they don't need to play very inspired baseball in order to win this division. I mean, this, it feels like the twins, right? Like it's kind of, you, you can just pencil in the brewers, but the, the Cardinals are only like five games out in the division. Like it's 5.5 from, from first to last. It's anybody's game. It's, it's just going to be a matter of who can decide to play some good baseball. Uh, Pirates are kind of, do, they're doing what we expected them from them before the season, before they went on the really good April, they went 10 and 20 this month, which would be the worst in the division, except for the Cubs also went 10 and 20 this month. Um, and the, the, uh, I'll, I'll get to the Cubs last. The, the Reds have been good, right? They called it Matt McLean who is a, a really good shortstop prospect, maybe back into the top 100. And he should be a t- the type of guy who can, you know, play good, versatile baseball for them. And they've been, they've been pitching really well, right? Graham Ashcraft is nasty. And so is, so is Hunter Green. Those guys are, are really solid. Um, but this, man, I just, the, the Reds are, are in a spot where they're, they're waiting for their young talent to get there. And it looks better right now, but eventually I feel like that young talent's going to start slumping. Uh, they, they haven't right now. I mean, this is, it's a team that looks, looks really reasonable, especially when you watch them play. I mean, watch them play this weekend. They were, they were good. They were smacking the ball all around tons and tons of hits. Um, but 
you know, up and down that lineup. TJ Friedel's been good. Nixon Zell's been really good. Spencer Steer's been pretty good. Like it's just a it's just a decent little team that that's gonna you know they plugged along and had the best record in the NL Central in the month of May, and they're only a few games out of the lead. So I, I don't believe in this team all that much, but they've been good. And then uh, you know the the Cardinals have been have been bad, but they've been better, and that that's always scary. Paul Goldschmidt's back to not quite MVP level, but he's been extremely strong in May. Uh, and that offense really turned it around. We talked about Nolan Gorman last week and uh, just how much damage he's been doing. He's up to 40 RBIs already. And I, I ultimately trust the Cardinals to get this turned around, but it's, it's kind of shocking that we're at the end of May and they're still in last place. But with only that 5.5 game gap, anything could happen and they could, you know, win 20 in a row and shoot to the front. Um, and it wouldn't shock anybody because it's the Cardinals. Uh, you know, and then, man, I I got my chance here to, to rail on the Cubs for this month, man. They have been playing uninspired baseball, making terrible roster decisions, and generally not trying to win games. And the fact that they're still only five games out is a blessing and a curse because now I'm still somewhat invested, even though the way this team is played makes me not want to watch baseball at all. Um, you know, and it takes a performance like Marcus Stroman on Sunday where the team gets three hit by the Rays and only a one hitter, like one of the all time great performances in the franchise history, like up there with the Jake area and a no hitter is it's like, that was where it was with game score. Is, is what it takes for the Cubs to win games right now. I mean, they're playing uninspired baseball. Dansby Swanson has been really good, but that's it. Um, you, you, Cody Bellinger getting hurt. It feels like derailed the season almost, right? It started, this slump started right about when he got hurt. And I'm just, I'm very frustrated. The, the lineup choices are bad, right? The, they didn't, they weren't able to ride the Chris Morrell wave. And now he's back to kind of slumping a little bit. And it, it's just been a, Poor decisions. They've deserved their struggles. They're 29th in in the last month. It's it's been very frustrating. But I mean, the way this NL Central is playing out, any any of these five teams could go to the playoffs, uh, and all of them should be trying to. Yeah, um, you know, when you look at the when you look at this division, like David said, it's just not a good division. In fact, out of the teams in this division the highest chance of getting a wild card for a team is 7%, 7.8%. Like that's pretty crazy to me that like mainly just because there's no chance that this, these teams are going to have a good enough record to, to get the, you know, the wild card. Um, so, you know, I, I think the Cardinals having weathered the storm some has been good for them. The pitching has gotten a little bit better this month. Like they've had some flashes from Jack Flaherty. Um, they've had some, you know, uh, some flashes from some other guys as well. Like they haven't been totally awful. They've been about league average on the mound this month. Uh, Four nineteen FIP. Uh, the offense has been really good. Norlin Arenado has gotten it going to a certain level. Um, still not great numbers for the year, but he's been, you know, better this month than he had been over the past. Uh, over the past. Uh, you know, the, over the first month. So, um, you know, I think that you talk about the Pirates. We kind of knew this was coming. 
they just don't really have all that much major league talent. Like they were winning a lot of close games. They were exciting for a little while. They were play. They did play a pretty weak schedule to start the season, but you knew this was coming at some point. We'll see if they can hang in there in the you know 500 ish range for a little while because. You know, if they do, you might look at the deadline as a team that might add a couple of fringe pieces that could put them maybe contending for this division because the division's so bad. The Reds have been pretty cool to see. Um, you know, Nick Senzel playing so well has been a big deal for them. He was a former top prospect who just never, ever stayed healthy, got healthy, just, just really been a, a disaster to his career so far. But, you know, so far this year, he's been a league average hitter ish. Uh, and you know, he's been worth something. Uh, TJ Friedel has been pretty good. I think, um, you know, you look at, um, you know, their pitching staff, they've had some guys who put up pretty good performances so far. Like Hunter green's been all right. Uh, Lodolo on the IL doesn't help. Uh, Ben Lively's actually been really good for them in 17 innings has a two sixty five ERA, which is funny. Um, but, uh, you know, they just, I just don't think they have the overall talent. The Cubs have been really bad. Um, you know, the Cubs are a team that was built with a lot of contact hitting in mind this year. They brought in guys they thought would hit for contact, like Nico Horner, like, uh, you know, they and, and they, well, the thought was coming in that they were going to try to have more contact on their roster. I don't know if they, they did not accomplish that. Uh, because they're striking out 27% of the time. That was, that was kind of the point I was making was they have not been that, Uh, but they didn't bring in Nico Horner, but well, they had Nico Horner. They They brought in Eric Hosmer to hit for contact. Like they, even though he's bad, like, I mean, (laughs) you can see why I'm frustrated with the roster making decisions. Yeah, I I agree. Like they just, Oh man, the the roster manager, the deal, the deal with the team, like the Cubs this year is that if you want to go spend a bunch of money, then, you know, it's that's great. Yeah. I want teams to spend, but you don't spend a bunch of money to be a 500 team. You just don't. Like you, yeah. you, it put yourself without the the high end reward that you could get from winning a World Series. It put yourself in a position to have bad contracts. Like what? that's without having a the World Series upside. Like you can do what the Padres did with Manny Machado three or four years ago and sign your a absolute bona fide superstar to a big contract with the expectation that your number one farm system is about to beat the big league level, but like signing good, you know, really good, but maybe not like elite, elite players to big contracts and expecting them to be able to, you know, just two or three of them and you're just expecting them to carry a bad roster just typically doesn't work out very well. Um, so spending money just for the sake of it is not the best thing to do. And I think that the Cubs have maybe been a little bit in that, in a little bit, like their farm it, system, they, like they, if they were to spend, you know, they needed me, to spend on ocean. They, like Shohei Otani this offseason is the guy they need to spend on that type of guy, well, not yeah. Dansby Swanson for eight years and eight hundred eighty million dollars. Even though he's been really I good mean, this year, he's not been good enough to carry a team like Shohei Otani can. Like Dansby Swanson's not supposed to carry this team. First of all, he's, well, um, that's the point. And, like, and that's that's misunderstanding what's going on here. Ian Hamsley got four home runs, which isn't yeah, great. I mean, um, you know, but but what really bugs me and and the problem and I think we saw what the ceiling of this team can be already, right? The April they were well above 500, they were looking really strong, but you you see the roster management where they're signing guys like Eric Hosmer, they're bringing in a Trey Mancini, they're bringing in guys with low ceilings and really low floors. That you know, yeah, Trey Mancini when he's good could have could have been okay, but he's been just a, 
a black hole. And it's like, yeah, Matt Mervis hasn't come up and let the world on fire, but you've taken away crucial development at bats from Mervis where he could, you know, the rest of the team was performing. Mervis not performing would have made sense. And then, you know, theoretically Mervis turns it around and you're, you're us- utilizing the roster better, but instead you're, you're paying Trey Mancini a bunch of money. You're paying Tucker Barnhart a bunch of money. Like, these guys, Hosmer, you wasted 100 plate appearances on a guy you know is bad. Like, it's that kind of decision-making that really bothers me. And it's what is not – the Cubs are not maximizing that, and that's what we're seeing for them to go 10-20 and 20 in a month stretch. Yeah, and the bullpen the bullpen management's been really oh, bad God. too. Like, uh, it, I could go forever. Not a, yeah, they're just not a very good team. I mean, they just – they don't have – they don't have the – they have an okay roster. They don't have the high-end superstar talent to carry an okay yeah. roster, and they don't have, like, enough of that uh, – enough of good players to be, like, you know, to not need those superstars. So They need – they needed to trust the young guys. They didn't, and then they didn't bail on the guys that definitely weren't going to get the job done to the young guys to see what they had in time. And now it just looks it just looks discombobulated, and you know we'll see what June has. They're only five games out; they could still win the division. Oh yeah, who knows? I mean it. But like they're in a perfect position to run into these problems. But it's like this is so frustrating to watch, and yeah. it nobody wants this. Let's let yeah. Damian talk about his team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, like, obviously we're you. We are a little bit talking more about the Cubs here because of you specifically, but they're three and ten in one run games. Like had. Yeah, they've yep. been able just to to put that halfway there. You know, you're talking about being right there with Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, being a couple games out. So, like, sure they they ran with the veterans for a while, but it's not like they waited too long to do it. They waited too long for the fan base to do it, but they're still in the heart of this. If things can break the right way and they get healthy and they get the performances that they should be getting from said players, um, and depending on what they want to do at the deadline, so. Yeah, but I mean, St. Louis, I mean, they're, we expect them to turn around if they just get any ounce of pitching at all. Like they're going to be a nightmarish team because that offense is really, really good. Um, So I could see, I could see St. Louis going for a deadline pitcher too, like one of the big ones because they have a few prospects who are probably guys that, they're, they have some prospects that are guys that a team like the White Sox would get, like Mason yeah. Wynn. Like he's a type of prospect who's probably going to be a bust, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because he his plate approach is horrible. And but he's got those like tools, and the White Sox would do that like immediately, and they would trade like a Giolito or a you know or a Cease or somebody for somebody like that. Like that's well, and and thing with like you're talking with Mason Wynn, he's a triple A player that's close to the major leagues and yeah. he plays shortstop. And if you're trading Sam Anderson, yeah, you don't really have a guy that's going to slot in right behind right. him, like that. So that's, that's that, that gives you the guy, yeah. I mean, it they'll they'll make a yeah. move and they're close enough now where I think they end up really being the I, I think the Brewers are probably the team to beat just because they have a big lead yeah. right now, and they'll get better. Yeah. Woodruff will come back at some point, and and they'll be better. He's only pitched eleven innings this year, but yeah, like they'll... one final one final thought on this NL Central. Fangraphs is projected uh, projected like season standings would have the Brewers winning this division at eighty two and eighty. Jeez. So that's bad. Um, all right, let's go look at a division that has uh, a much better outlook. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to the National League West where we have the Dodgers leading division at 33 and 22. You have Arizona at 31 and 23. Uh, game and a half back. You have San Francisco at 28 and 26. Four and a half back. The Padres at 24 and 29. Eight games back. And then Colorado at 24 and 31. Nine games back. So uh, I don't even know who it's supposed to start with here. But Matt, uh, what about this division and the Padres being close one game away from the bottom of it. Well, uh, we'll get to the Padres in a minute. Uh, Cause I do have some things to say on the Padres, but the Dodgers are really good. Um, they have taken advantage of the fact that the Padres were supposed to win this division coming in by a lot of people. And I think the Dodgers have used it as a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They've been really good. Uh, you know, the pitching outlook to me, maybe a tiny bit concerning with the rotation, just because you're dealing with young guys now, Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller, two really young guys in that rotation, Dustin May being hurt. You know, you never know when Kershaw might go in the IL, but the lineup's been really good. Mookie Betts has been good. Freddie Freeman's been really, really good. Um, you know, Max Muncy's been really, really good. He's been like back to the really good Max Muncy that we've seen in the past and, and not the one we saw last year. Um, you've got, um, you, you know, Will Smith's been good. Like their entire lineup has performed. James Altman, I think is still, you know, I, I don't think he's going to keep it up, but he's been incredible so far. Um, I think the Dodgers are definitely the best team in this division right now. You know, they're well-rounded. They always seem to get those guys too, that are kind of, I won't say they're not fringe guys, but like the, the depth guys who always end up performing well. I think the Dodgers are, you know, especially with the Padres, just not, being non-existent so far that the, the Dodgers are the class in this division. The Diamondbacks have been really fun to watch. Um, I still don't think they keep it up. Zach Gallen's been incredible for them. Uh, they have the fifth best pitching staff in baseball uh, this in the, you know, the month of May. I just don't trust their lineup totally. They've been good this month, but like, I don't trust Perdomo who's been incredible so far. Like they've been, it's just, it's, it's hard for me with this team. Cause I, I mean, Corbin Carroll being really good is just not surprising at all. But Lourdes Gurriel being good, I just – I don't know. I Like, I think they're really good. I don't think they're quite as good as they've been so far. But um, look at the Giants being in third now. I kind of felt like the Giants could, could have a little bit of a, re- of a surge at some point. They had a horrible, like, first couple weeks, but they've really kind of taken off since then. 17 and 13 in the last 30 games. Uh, they had a good month. They've gotten some good performances. Their pitching staff's been good. They've been doing that, you know, matchup ball that they had been doing for a while. Um, Michael Conforto got it going a little bit this month, I believe, um, which has been nice for them. Um, they've just been a solid team. Tyro Estrada has been really good for them this year. Mm-hmm. All, over already two wins above replacement, and JD Davis has been really good for them. That was a horrible trade for the, for the Mets to make. Uh, with J.D. Davis for uh, Darren Ruff. So oh, Lamont man. Wade's been really good. Michael Conforto's been really good. Like, they this team, they're hitting the ball well. They Jock Peterson hadn't played a ton. Like, Mike Kostrzemski's have been injured some. Like, they haven't even been full strength. And then the pitching-wise, they've been solid. Um, so that's a good team. I don't think they're going to catch the Dodgers, but they could be that sneaky wildcard team with the Mets and the Phillies struggling so bad, the NL central not being good at all. Um, and, and then the Padres, the Padres this month have been good on the mound, but uh, they just, this team's just not like, 
they've been very mediocre at the plate. A 93 WRC plus on the month, a 213 average on the month. I know batting average doesn't really matter all that much, but like it's hard to drive in runs when your team is hitting 213. Uh, even if it's you know even if there's and they're not really slugging either. 28 home runs in the month, like they're you know they they've been getting on base a lot, but they haven't been getting guys in. So. Um, you know, the pitching staff's been solid this month for them. Michael Walkus actually had a good season so far, uh, which has been interesting. Um, you know, Seth Lugo's not been bad. Um, you've got, um, you know, but, but Snell's been pretty abysmal this year. Um, so that team, that, that, that Padres team just screams to me, team that thinks they've arrived when they really haven't. Uh, kind of like the Blue Jays were last year, last couple years. Like they just they seem to think that they're better than they are, and they seem to not really. I, I know that's kind of a cliche, and it's just an intangible thing, but they seem to be that that type of team. So I don't know. Um, we'll see if they get it going. But they're twenty four and twenty nine. They're already like pretty far behind in the division to a really really good Dodgers team, a solid Diamondbacks team, and a solid Giants team. So not only do you have to make up a big deficit right now, but also pass other really good teams. So they're in a bad spot right now. And then the Rockies, shout out to them. They've been sixteen and fourteen over the last thirty games. Like they've been above five hundred. Um, I mean. They're doing Rockies things because they're always going to – I don't think the Rockies are a team that is ever going to just completely and totally bottom out like and be the worst record in baseball just because they play half their games in cores. But they just don't have good enough players to be a contending team right now. Uh, I think Chris Bryant's still doing really well for them, which is kind of fun to see. Um, you know, I, But they've, they're just kind of the Rockies. So yeah, Chris Bryant has not been good for them. Never mind. It's it's Elias Diaz that's been their guy. Yeah. It, you would know that if you'd listened to the podcast last week. Well, I, I was, <laughs> listen, I was I didn't listen to anything. I didn't. I barely watched anything last week because no, I was I at you. I was out of town, but I was in a different time zone. Yeah, the oh. I'll I'll be brief on this one. I'll let Damien give a little thought on the Dodgers. Here's my my take for the Padres: is still early, uh, but it's not. It, it's getting late. To, to be slumping like this. And Juan Soto's turned it around, but Tatis hasn't been good. Bogarts has had a, a couple of big slumps. He's he's not been the consistent producer that he was in Boston. And then, man, the the Padres are just, it's a team that needs to, to group it together and get going all at once. And they haven't done that yet. I think they will. I do not count them out yet. This that's a team that can win a lot of games in a row. It's a very high octane offense, uh, but it's not performing right now. And it all these games matter. It, you, the more wins you have in the bank early in the season, the better for your long term outcome. But it this is a scary spot for them to be in, and it, it's the converse thing for the Diamondbacks, right? Even if the Diamondbacks slump a little bit, this is a team that's almost ten games over five hundred right now. They can buoy a bad stretch because of the wins they've put in the bank. The Padres can't afford to have another bad stretch here. They'll get knocked out of the division and knocked out of the wild card race really, really fast. So, you know, the Diamondbacks can afford a, a, a slump here. The Padres cannot. And it, it's the urgency needs to start getting there for the Padres. They, they have not been urgent enough through, through this first two months. Yeah, one more note on the Padres. They absolutely had to have their top of their order that was supposed to be so good all be really, really good because they just don't have any depth. They have sacrificed all their depth for 
you know, for, for these superstar players. And while Soto's been really good, like, you know, Manny Machado was horrible at the plate before getting injured, which, you know, I don't think the injury was really a cause for that either. Like, his stat cast profile was horrible, and that was an injury that he had not dealt with all year. Like, Xander Bogarts has a 19% percentile hard hit rate. Um, you know, his numbers just do not look good. He's been good plate discipline-wise. He's got a good on-base percentage, but just, like, he's just not been very good um, at the plate. And, you know, you've got um, – although he has been great in the field, but like, you, you know, you're relying on like Trent Grisham, Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, you know, Jake Cronenworth's not been all that good. Like you're relying on some guys there at the bottom of your lineup to, you know, if you're not getting the superstar performance from your superstars and the depth's just not there for them. So like at that point, your offense is bad and the pitching staff's not good enough here to carry a bad offense. So, I mean, that's kind of my, my worry long-term with the Padres as much as it is just that they're in a slump. Yeah. So I'll run through this division really quick so we can jump over to player of the week and wrap this up. But um, one name that neither of you guys mentioned when talking about LA, who has been a big part of it so far has been JD Martinez. Um, Since he's come off the IL with his back issue, he's hit 309. It's not, uh, stats aren't identical to when he exactly when he came off, but He's hit about 309, 1,000 OPS, about seven home runs, um, give or take a little bit. I, I don't have the exact day he came off the IL, but uh, he's been he, – he started off really slow, and ever since he's came off, he's been one of the most consistent bats in baseball. Um, he's really helped that run that they've had recently. Um, Arizona, Cattell Marte's had a really great season as well, kind of bouncing back to the Cattell Marte that we – expected to see the last couple of years um, when he was dealing with some of the hip injuries. Uh, Zach Gallon obviously has been great keeping them right in this run. They were a sneaky team. I think we kind of said them to be that they could be that sneaky team that we kind of thought would fight for third this year. They're fighting for second. Um, and really they're not, they're only a game and a half off the Dodgers. And we're talking about the Dodgers have the best record in the national league. Um, you know, they're, I mean, tied with the, or they have one more win than the Braves right now, but um, you know, they played the second best baseball this year or this month the Dodgers did and Arizona was a couple games behind them or you could be looking at the Arizona leading this division um you know San Francisco they've had some really good stretches from guys like Casey Schmitz come up uh Patrick Bailey's even come up and done very well from behind the plate for them um you know they're a team that I still feel like at the end will end up lacking I don't think they have enough talent there they're getting like you mentioned Tyro Estrada I don't expect him to keep this up the entire year it has been nice to see Conforto finally finding it at the plate um San Diego I mean there's we all picked them to win the division I think and we expected that to happen and it's just been it's been really deflating obviously Snell's been terrible with Machado being bad but they're they're gonna go on some run here eventually like that the team does have too much star talent to kind of not go on some run eventually. Um, now when that's going to be, and if it's going to be too late, who knows, but I still imagine they're going to make some run at some point here. Um, and then obviously Colorado, I think they've kind of overperformed what most of us had expected them to do. I think we thought they were going to be, you know, one of the worst teams in baseball. And I think they've actually held their own, um, so far, uh, and they've dealt with some injuries, losing Herman Marquez for the year. Um, 
who was the other one? Brendan Rogers. They've lost him for yep. the year before the season ever started. Uh, you know, they've got breakout performances from a guy like Elias Diaz. Um, but they've just, some of them have been really, really underwhelming. Um, you know, the injuries that they've been able to do and, and they've really overperformed that. So overall, I mean, I think this division, it's not what we had expected coming in. Um, but, you know, at least as a fan of, of it, it's been good. One yeah. final so. point before we wrap up, and I'll let you do yours too, Matt, but the, the entirety of the NL is between 33 and 23 wins. There's no high-end outliers. There are no low-end outliers. The You can fit every single NL team within between 10 games, 23, 33 wins, 23 wins. That is insane to this point in the season to have everybody that close. Yep. Yeah, and my I got two little things to add here. Uh, the first thing is you're talking about Colorado. Their bullpen has actually been good. Uh, mm-hmm. Brad Hand has been really, really good, which is the most surprising thing I think I might have seen from a relief pitcher so far this year because he was just totally cooked and giving up home runs. And then he went to Coors, which is like the worst place for him to go. But he has not given up a home run yet in 19 innings this year. Uh, and he's also striking a ton of guys out. He's got a 3.20 ERA, which isn't fantastic, but it is for cores and about a 196 FIP. And also, Brent Suter's been like incredible. He's got yep. a 199 ERA, a 265 FIP in 31 innings. So that's been really fun yep. to watch for the uh, for the for the well to hear about for the Rockies. I haven't watched them, but <laughs> um, they're kind of not the team I want to watch but Jake Bird's been really good for them too out of the pen Justin Lawrence has been good for them out of the pen like they they've had some really good outcomes from relievers so far and the other point I was going to make is that um, in the NL the two teams with the two best records have the weakest remaining schedules Uh, the Dodgers and the Braves both have a 489 uh, remaining strength of schedule winning percentage right now Um, whereas like you know a lot of the competition still you know, got, got, you know, more around 500. So it's actually the two weakest remaining schedules in the major leagues. So um, they've both played their really tough stretch already. And uh, they're both already the top two teams record wise. So um, it makes it a little bit more difficult to think that either one of those two teams will just not have a good rest of the year. Yeah, so that will do it for the monthly breakdown division recap section so far for the month of May. Um, so why don't we go ahead and jump over to players of the week and go ahead and wrap the show up. And uh, David, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but who are you going with? I'm going with Jorge Soler. Five home runs in a week. I genuinely don't know that we've had that a level that high this, this season. I think we've seen four a couple of times, but uh, Jorge Soler just on a – on a tear right now, helping Miami win some ball games, uh, keeping them above 500. And I think that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, I've said it a couple of times, but I'm gonna keep saying it. They need him to be that guy. He was in 2019, the guy they spent I think $12 million a year on, you know, Corey Sillers got the talent, right? He's a huge dude who can, it doesn't take much for him to hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's, he's a slugger that doesn't strike out all that much either. And, you know, his strikeout rate's only 25% this year. He's He's got 138 WRC plus. It was 136 in 2019. I, I genuinely think he can be the type of guy who could lead Miami to the to the playoffs this year. The NL's really weak, right? You know, the, it's wide open. Jorge Soler having a big season is exactly the type of thing Miami needs to stay in the hunt. 
yeah, I don't totally disagree with that. Uh, of course, I about the the rest of the season. Uh, but uh, Jorge Soler has had a really good season so far and a good week. Um, I can tell you when he gets when he's locked in and gets hot, he can mm-hmm. be really really good for a long stretch. Uh, but the guy I went with, I was thinking about going with uh, Matt McLean, who you know David mentioned earlier, getting called up. He hit 500 this week uh, in six games, <laughs> which is pretty fun. But uh, I actually went with somebody else, and this guy had an opposite debut of what uh, Matt McLean had. There's a YouTube video out there calling this the him having this guy having the worst debut ever when he was a member of the Cardinals, giving up like 11 runs in one inning in his major league debut or something. But anyways, this year his start has not been that. It's been actually pretty good, and uh, it's Mike Myers. He threw um, he threw six innings that were perfect until giving up two hits in like the eighth inning. He he was actually pitching in relief after they had an opener uh, yesterday, and they had a perfect game going into the eighth inning between him and, and Josh Stalmont, and he ended up pitching six perfect innings. He did give up two hits in the seventh, which were, I think were both singles, uh, three strikeouts, no earned runs in those six innings, and his other pit game, which was actually a start, in the past uh, week, he pitched against Detroit and pitched four and two-thirds innings with only one run allowed and eight strikeouts. So really good week for Mike Myers. I wanted to shout him out for that because, you know, he's a guy who uh, has not been a – you know, he's not been consistently in the big leagues. Um, you know, he, he's just been a – you know, never really stuck. And uh, the fact that he, um, you know, had a had a pretty solid couple games, pretty fun, and wanted to shout him out. So uh, good for uh, good for Mike Myers. Hope he can kind of keep it going. Yeah. So the guy that I went with uh, this time, which uh, Matt McLean, you you mentioned uh, there, he actually won National League Player of the Week, which was pretty uh, interesting as well. But uh, the guy that I went with this week was uh, Zach McKinstry of the Detroit yeah. Tigers, uh, former Dodger, former Cub. A uh, guy who struggled with both teams and has really finally found his place there in Detroit, um, a place not known for really developing those young hitters or, or having hitters find their way. Uh, McKinstry absolutely has done that this week alone. Um, you know, he had identical walk and strikeout rates. He had a 391 average, a 545 on base, 609 slugging, a 222 WRC plus um, has 0.7 war on the week. But if you look at his season, a 296 average, a 412 on base, a 448 slugging, a 146 WRC plus with 1.7 war. This is a guy who coming into the year had 0.5 war as his career. Um, and a career OPS, what was he at before? Uh, in major leagues was about 700, 675, right around there. He, this year he's at 860. Uh, and it's not really that fluky. If you look at his expected numbers, like I said, 294 on the year, his expected batting average is 309. His slugging so far has been 444. His expected slugging, 496. Like his weighted on base average is 380. His expected weighted on base, 401. So per all the expected numbers, he's actually underperforming so far this year, what he should be. Um, and he's been leading off for that Detroit Tigers team that we just mentioned were, you know, second in that division. Um, and obviously Riley Green's been having a great year, but now with he's going to be out, McKinstry's going to need to kind of uh, take another step there, another level and keep this continuing on uh, to try and lead that offense. But uh, not often you have a guy like that who's 
I'll bounce around to many different teams really find the stride. So I wanted to shout him out for the week. Yeah, my, Zach McKinstry, I, I just want to add, he's one of those guys, I really like the, the type of player he is. Uh, he's one of those plate discipline, really, really elite plate discipline guys who, you know, took him a couple years in the majors. He's not going to hit the ball extremely hard, but that elite plate discipline can play. And, you know, I think that so far this year, you're seeing that happen in his baseball savant page is really good. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. So uh, anything else you guys want to wrap up on before we go ahead and close the show out? You guys heard the the numbers for Zach McKinstry. The Cubs chose to, to roster Miles Masterboni, Edwin Rios, Nick Madrigal, and Luis Torrens, who are worth a collective negative 0.8 war. Um, and McKinstry's already been worth 1.7. They traded him in spring training. That's it for me. Cubs stink. Uh, I, I think uh, it's hard to follow that up, but um, <laughs> I think um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been really a really good season so far. Uh, like y'all mentioned, the NL is interesting. Three, everyone being that close together uh, has been pretty fun, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. I think this is gonna be a really fun uh, couple months here. Uh, you know, pretty soon we'll be kind of looking at maybe talking about what's gonna happen. Uh, for who's going to be sell, you know, maybe what players could be getting sold at the deadline. Just talk about some candidates for that at some point. Might be fun. Uh, that talk will be starting to come up pretty soon. Uh, you're seeing who's kind of becoming a totally out of it teams right now. Like, like you look at like the White Sox, maybe uh, even though the division's so bad, like we mentioned, they're not totally out of it, but um, it'll be interesting to see. It's been a fun season and uh, excited for the next few weeks. So, Definitely be paying a little bit more attention than I was last week. So hopefully I've got better insights here coming up soon. Yeah, and then um, also getting pretty soon, we're going to start hearing about all-star ballots and all-star teams here in just a few weeks because we're just a little bit over a month away from that already, which is kind of wild to think about. You know what that means. And there'll be draft time too. You can tell who's a fan of a team who's (laughs) not good so far. Um, so anyways, let's wrap this up, uh, just by saying Dodgers, Braves, good Cubs suck. Agreed. All right. There it is. Thank you for everyone for tuning in to episode 128 of the Batflip podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week.